When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Women in Leadership Podcast, Episode 8. Hi, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast, the podcast that empowers you to reach your full potential, whether you're already in a leadership role or you are an aspiring leader. Now, joining me on today's show is Lisa Askwith. Lisa is an experienced C-suite business leader who has worked across a variety of global businesses. She also holds several board positions and enjoys helping companies and charities at this level. Lisa has a very strong belief in honesty and ethical behavior in business and always tackle situation from both a people and a business perspective. People are the soul of any company or business, so without getting this area right, very few businesses will thrive. She also does her best to balance her work life and her personal life so that she can spend time with her two beautiful daughters and her husband. Whilst this is always a juggle, she has found planning ahead and being very flexible makes all the difference. Her life is very fast paced and she loves it. And on today's show, Lisa's going to share the importance of people first, no matter what, be a leader and only occasionally a manager, and why it's so important to stand by your values. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Appreciate it. Love to be here. So, Lisa, sadly, some women believe that they cannot have it all, a successful career, a family, and, of course, their personal interests. However, listening to your introduction, you are an experienced C-suite business leader. You're working across a variety of global businesses. You hold several board positions. You've got a husband and two beautiful daughters. So I'd love for you to share some of the insights you've learned along the way that have enabled you to balance all of these areas in your life. So I think essentially the first thing, particularly as a female in business, is that I think you need to identify what you really want mm-hmm. and then set about a really good plan on how to achieve it. Yeah. Because we get pulled in a lot of different ways um, and we see a lot of biological ways that we get pulled in as well and we've got to work out how that's going to fit into our careers and our life and our needs and our wants. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the best I could say is you've got to work that out early and I know I did. Um, I knew I really enjoyed management. I loved being in global companies. I had a lot to offer. I enjoyed the fast-paced environment, the travel. And so I developed myself down that pathway with a very clear goal that I'll get to a point, as with my husband as well, where we will stop and have kids. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it was very planned. I think being um, global managers, you have to be incredibly well planned. Your time management is just off the planet. People always look at me and go, how do you manage to do all those things? Mm-hmm. For us, it's second nature. We've planned everything. Mm-hmm. And that sounds a little bit cut and dried in some respects. But I think if you really know what you want, and we wanted to achieve our careers first and then have children. Yeah. And so we've planned it that way. Mm. So many people, um, if, if they don't set that intention, don't have that goal, they're not being proactive and they tend to be reactive 
mm-hmm. and other things get in the way. You know, you get distracted, you might spread yourself too thin and then you end up five years, ten years, whatever it might be, kind of living with regret or thinking, why didn't I, um, why am I not achieving what I really want? So I love that, that you've shared that. So that really is identifying what you really want, set those goals, set those intentions and make a plan, make a plan and, and follow that plan. So you say people first, no matter what. So why do you believe as leaders, it's so important to recognize this and ensure that it's our people that come first? A lot of people initially, when they start on a, a leadership or management career, they focus on management way too much. And look, we need to have clear boundaries. We need to have uh, clear processes. People need to do things in certain ways and have responsibilities. But a lot of people forget that the actual thing that's driving everything is the people themselves. And if we don't actually embrace that up front and work with our people in a compassionate, kind way with a high level of integrity, honesty and belief, everything gets derailed. And it happens really quickly in business. You know, one of the things that I read uh, the other day on one of the social media platforms was take emotion right out of it. It's just business. But, you know, if we take a step back and look at what you have just said about endeavouring to always be compassionate to your team, to be mindful of the decisions that you make, to to, um, treat each you know, person in your team with honesty and integrity, if we were to take the emotion right out of that, I mean, that is not putting a people first attitude in place, is it? Yeah. No, it's so true. And that's where the mistakes happen. I mean, it's one thing not to be overly emotionally engaged with a business decision, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you still need to look at that business decision and say, okay, this is how it's going to affect our business. And this is how it's going to affect our key asset, our people. You mentioned something. People jump in and they're more a manager first rather than a leader. Now, for someone listening today, can you define for them what is the difference in being a leader and then being a manager? Absolutely. I find particularly with people first time in these types of roles is that they're suddenly jumping into what they see and believe as a senior position and so therefore they have a personal um, beliefs and attachments to that role Mm. and they tend to always fall back to the good old, okay, I'm a manager now, these are the things I have to achieve in this time frame, here's the criteria I have to work with, here's the reviews I have to do on which staff or which product or which budget. And they become very um, automated and they cut themselves off unintentionally from engaging with their teams. And it's a really dangerous track to fall into because you tend to find people who do that, they keep pushing, focusing more and more on these outcomes, but they've actually forgotten to engage their people along the way Mm -hmm. because they're so focused on the black and white bookwork side of things. And that's what I find the real difference is. And you always expect first-time managers to make a few of these mistakes. Um, they always sort of get into their head something they have to get done and they forget to engage their people on the way. Mm. So the difference I see is a really good leader from up front, day one, even if they don't know the business, have never worked in it before but have been brought in from the outside, they take that first couple of weeks to meet their people, speak with them, engage with them, actually ask what their concerns are, what their drives and passions are, how they foresee the business unfolding and develop that upfront relationship really quickly. And good leaders are great at that. They get in there, they meet their people, they understand the business much, much faster than a good manager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are as, you know, when someone is a leader and, and overseeing a team, 
you are as good as your team. So if your team are struggling because you're not listening to them, you're not being compassionate, there's no honesty or integrity that you're, you're showing them and supporting them, it's going to really minimise their ability to, to do, in often cases, to do what they need to do. It, it, would you say that that's what you found? Absolutely. And the secondary issue is that, and a lot of people forget this, a lot of businesses forget it, is that not only do you need to engage your team, but your people really are your, your biggest asset. And by that, I mean, they're the people on the ground seeing what's happening in the business. And, you know, sometimes their feedback isn't great and people don't like to hear it. But if you don't embrace them and let them tell you what's happening out there, you miss out on saving your business from a lot of mistakes. Mm, absolutely. Would you have said over the years that you have been a leader, and I'm sure that you have worked in teams where you've had both men and women working together at, at leadership roles, speak a little bit about what you found in terms of maybe there's differences between how women and men lead. Why I'm asking this question is that sometimes I hear the, the um, people commenting, well, I'm now in a leadership role, and this is a woman, and she tries to lead like a man and unfortunately it becomes very difficult for her because that's not her style that's not really who, who she is I'd love for you to share some insights around that absolutely and look it's something we do see unfortunately and very much so the good male leader um, can be quite blokey at work is probably the colloquial way of saying it mm. develop those mateship relationships as well as well as having a good business sense obviously to be in that role mm -hmm. but find it, I think, very easy to have that matey type of discussion and catch up after work for a beer in the pub and have a quick chat then go home. Yes. It's a very easy flow. It's an expectation that blokes do this. So in the workplace, it transfers really easily. Whereas when women try that whole same process, it, it does seem to be a little bit destabilising to some people. They're wondering kind of what's going on and why they're being asked out for a drink in the pub and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yes. Whereas the ladies that do it really well, back to that genuine engagement piece, Mm -hmm. Typically, and I always say, you know, look at your own personal strengths. And for women, it's because normally that real level of understanding and engagement at a personal level, and you can use that in a business sense quite comfortably by meeting your staff in those first few weeks, engaging with them, asking what their needs are, what their direction is and where they're going. And you establish that same culture, that same close-knit, happy-to-chat type of culture that you see the men do as well. Mm. But it's necessarily driven by a beer after work it might more be the coffee catch up after lunch for a quick chat about business priorities that also had the personal element to it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you said then I want to just um, touch on that because so often when people step into a leadership role we put pressure on ourselves that we are expected to know everything but I love the way that you said as a leader go and approach your team ask them what do you need how can I support you so I'm sure that there are instances in your career and maybe seen other leaders not take upon themselves that hey I need to know everything I need to have all the answers but really engage with their team and allowing them to step forward and use their skills and strengths to better the, the team and obviously contribute to outcomes. So what, what kind of insights and, and information have, can you share about that? Look, I definitely agree and I think I'm, I'm more than comfortable having moved through my career to say I'm happy to be good at what I do but I'm also happy not to be the smartest person in the room with the most knowledge. You need to embrace that and if you're running a team of people, if you can find people who know more about something than you do, grab them, hold on to them, engage them, make sure they're happy and help them develop and you're going to have a much better outcome for yourself personally but so are they and so is the business. Put together beautifully and then on the flip side of that you see those people who do feel they have to be the most important, most knowledgeable person in the world. And they're in that room and they can't complete the business and they make a mess. 
mm-hmm. and it all starts to fall apart because they're too busy trying to protect their own integrity and beliefs and their own knowledge rather than actually looking at engaging the whole team and delegating the appropriate tasks out to those who are best to achieve them. I want to speak a little bit more about this because I think it's so important and it, it really does take the pressure off someone who may be already in, an, in a senior leadership role or maybe um, aspiring to be a leader that we don't need to know everything. And I love the way that you have said, and I think it's so true and I totally agree, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. And if your team have got skills, expertise and, and wits and breadth of, of an area that uh, you may not necessarily know much more about, when you've got a level of confidence that and, and allow your team to, to shine in those areas, that that collaboration benefits everyone. Yet you have some people who may not have that level of confidence. And, and I know myself that I've got a couple of colleagues who work with leaders that have no interest in their team members sharing, hey, maybe we can do this in a better way. We can cut costs. We can save time because these leaders feel challenged and confronted that uh, they didn't come up with this idea themselves, which really, as you've said, it really minimizes how the team's working together. Yes, absolutely. And the the thing that those types of leaders need to realize is that you can have the best ideas in the world. And if you're not confident in saying that that was your team member, you've got to say it was yours. Mm. It's actually the implementation step that tends to kill most ideas and good ideas in business. Mm So as a good leader, you don't necessarily need to find the idea yourself. You need to be able to implement it and make it work. Yes. And that's where your skill set should actually sit. Yeah, so that, that's I always say, you know, be more than happy to have your staff being smarter than you in some areas because you can work with them to make that wonderful for everyone. I can't remember, Lisa, who it was that I heard said this. Someone mentioned, a leader mentioned that the team members would often come, oh, we got a problem or this is a challenge, this is an issue. And so she said to her team, you know what, I appreciate that there are challenges and there's things that happen during the, the day where we do need to identify a change or we need to do something differently. But what I want you to do I want to encourage you to have a sit down think about what are some different things and options that you think we could do to changing so in other words she really empowered her staff to do some brainstorming beforehand so that when they approached her um, said this is the issue have it had a bit of a think about it I think these are the different ways that we we can address this and then they were able to brainstorm together, make a decision, and that really made a huge difference to the point that often any problems or sort of, you know issues were already managed and didn't need to be brought to her attention. And I think that's really um, signs of, of of a confident leader. Absolutely, and that's something I always say to my teams: is you know we're going to have lots of problems along the way, things mm. will go wrong, it's always going to happen. We expect mm. that. But let's think of some solutions first before we get too stressed about it all and start looking at how we can fix it. That level of engagement will drive a business forward, make everyone much happier than just saying, oh, heavens, not another complaint, let's ignore it. (laughs) Yes. Or your team may uh, want to approach you to let you know that there's a challenge. But if you're a leader that doesn't, um, you know, welcome those and your team is almost fearful of approaching you because, oh, you know, she's going to bite my head off or he's going to bite my head off, then you don't want to create that, that sort of environment either. No, no, absolutely. And that type of environment just stifles everyone very quickly, not just the business, but the people. You know, they're not going to stay around. If they feel like they're not valued and they're not listened to, they will leave. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, Lisa, one of the things that you have said is that it's very important to stand by your values. Let's talk a little bit about more about that, because one of the things that I often find is that we don't often know what are our key values until something happens in the workplace. There's a change, there's a takeover, and all of a sudden uh, we're unhappy. And often it's to do with because our, our values have been challenged. Love you to speak more about this. In today's workplace, people are very wanting to be very engaged with what they're doing. It's not the workplace of 40 or 50 years ago where you came to work, you did what you told, you left at the end of the day and that was it. Mm. You know, technology has entirely turned the workplace on side, upside down, backwards and everything else. So people are part of their workplace outside of the nine to five hours. Most people are these days. They're connected through technology as well. Mm -hmm. So you need to actually look at people's values because it's no longer just do this that's the end. It's okay, you can do this, but how does it affect everything else around you? How does it affect you personally? So I think without engaging with those values, we run a, a very big risk with the disruptive technology that's running through every business these days of actually missing um, how we actually keep our staff in the business and keep them working well in the business. You know, I, I see people all the time leave companies because their values are challenged mm -hmm. and it's it's doing the right thing. When it what comes right down to it, it's actually doing the right thing by people. Yes. Really looking at that closely is very important for every business moving forward. Mm. You know, um, as a career consultant, uh, I have often been approached by people who are working in a company and they've said, I love my job, absolutely love it, been here for a long, long time. Yet, you know, the management have changed or there's been some significant changes made in the workplace and how work is, is completed and the demands. And so they're now unhappy. And I think, um, you know, studies have shown that when someone's well-being and they're not met, it can be causing, you know, stress for the individual and when people are stressed and unhappy uh, that is when you'll find their productivity decreases and often they will leave and you could potentially as a leader lose a team member who has certainly contributed and can continue to contribute had uh, the, the workplace been uh, conducive to, to their values yes absolutely and it happens unfortunately so often and this is where a lot of managers or leaders miss the whole cultural engagement piece Mm. is you need to actually develop a workplace that has a positive culture. Now that sounds like a really easy thing to say, let's all work, we're going to be happy at positive culture, but it's a lot bigger than that. It covers every single aspect of your business now. Mm. And helping that culture actually grow is all about not just engaging staff, but allowing staff to feel that they matter, that their values are important, they can talk to people, but also that the management team has that direct communication back to staff. Now, I'm not saying that the GM has to pick up the phone to the lady on the retail floor or something like that, but that the GM and the whole business leading unit has to actually communicate, whether it be by email, announcements, post outs, whatever it is, communicate regularly so people know that they're actually listened to, they're valued, where the business is going, what the expectations of them are. Because without all of that being very transparent and very regular, People's values feel compromised. They don't know what's happening. Change scares them. Whereas most times these days, change is quite exciting in business. And yes. most employees, you get a real benefit out of it. So if you communicate it properly and you let them know what's happening, you let them be involved, you hear their concerns and you help them deal with that, then suddenly their values are met. Their internal value of feeling comfortable at work is right at the top of their list. 
and everything moves forward much more smoothly. So if someone recognised that their team, there was something that was not quite right, behaviour and performance has certainly been impacted, and after hearing some of the things, insights that you shared today, that they recognise, oh, well, maybe I do need to take a step back and start to really allow my team to voice some of the things that uh, perhaps some of the changes have made an impact on their lives. What would be the first step that you would encourage these leaders to do to start that dialogue with their team? Because that can often be difficult. Oh, look, absolutely. I think it's, particularly if it's someone who's been in place for a while and they've missed that initial chance to really connect with their team, they've got to go back and work that little bit harder to get there. Yes. And it's quite often, it's the really simple things. Let your team know there's been changes, that, you know, they, they will know they're not silly. They might know they're missing budget or that people aren't happy or the business is heading in a different direction, whatever it happens to be. Let, let your team know that you're aware of it and you want to help them fix it. Be mm. very transparent. And in order to do that, you're going to catch up with each of them over the next week, have an open chat. It's all about sharing ideas, allowing people to bring thoughts to the table, um, whatever you like. Make it really open, make it very personal, make it pleasant, real, and start to develop that relationship from scratch. Mm. So you can start to know your team properly and also let them know they are being heard. They're not being ignored. You know, you do want to actually brainstorm together. And once you've had those one-on-one -on -one meetings, let them know you're going to have a group meeting and you're all going to put it on the table and start working towards whatever the end point happens to be. Mm. But it's going to be done from a team perspective with the support of the company and the management team. Yeah. So yeah. you're not taking anyone off. You're not scaring them. You're trying to embrace them and let them move forward and you're making it very open and transparent that that's actually the, the case. Yeah, so true. So what would be one last word of encouragement that you would like to leave with people today, Lisa? It's quite a few, but I think <laughs> if you're moving into a new leadership role, it's really crucial that you get to know your people and wherever possible, you empower them. You know, Embrace the fact that mistakes will be made, but if you empower your people to actually achieve and move forward under their own steam, they're going to be so much happier and so much more engaged with both you and the workplace that you will actually be able to get a much better result and fix any problems that do occur. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So, Lisa, for people who might like to find out a little bit more about you and how could they do that? Yeah, certainly. The website is very simple. It's www.apex, which is A-P-E-X-B-R-F.com. So jump online by all means and um, there's all my contact details there. More than happy to take a call or a direct email, whatever's easiest for people to have a chat. Terrific. And of course, we will put all of the details on how you can contact Lisa on the show notes. So to go to the show notes, all you need to do is go to annemariecross.com forward slash podcast eight. That's annemariecross.com forward slash podcast eight. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Lisa. It really was uh, insightful. Thanks so much, Anne-Marie. Hope I've helped a few people out there. Now it's over to you. Lisa and I want you to join the conversation to let us know what was one biggest aha that you had that you're taking away from today's show and what's the action step you're going to take within the next 24 hours to get moving on that aha. Now to join the conversation, go to annemariecross.com forward slash podcast eight, leave your comment below the show notes and Lisa and I look forward to reading your comments. That link again, annemariecross.com forward slash podcast eight.
Now today's uh, interview tip comes from our sponsor acethatinterview.com.au. Never discredit previous experience, even if it's not in the same industry or similar to the role you're applying for. What you need to do is pinpoint how this experience has developed strengths and of course the value that you offer and how they are valuable and relevant to the role that you're applying for. Every single piece of experience, every challenge you've overcome, every concern that you've handled well, whether it was in paid employment or even voluntary work, has developed you into the person that you are today. And you've got to remember that. Now, if you've got an upcoming interview and you want additional support in this area so that you can communicate with confidence and negotiate a salary that pays you what you're worth, check out www.acethatinterview.com.au for more information. Now, that brings us to the end of another episode and I do hope that you'll join me again next week. Remember, subscribe to our iTunes channel annemariecross.com forward slash podcast iTunes. By doing that means that you're going to be the very first person to learn about when a new episode is released and you can be inspired and empowered each and every week. That link again, annemariecross.com forward slash podcast iTunes. While you're over there, if you've got a couple of free minutes, leave a comment. What was the greatest aha from the show? Rate the show too. That would be awesome. Just gets us out in front of more inspired, empowered women in leadership out there on iTunes. See you next week. Make it a great one. Bye for now, everyone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you.